combat sports and culture show in the entire universe, The Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Underground King, Serge Vicente, and this is episode 218. Whole bunch of content, man, a whole bunch of information, a whole bunch of stuff we have coming for you guys today. Today, on today's menu, we are not only going to talk all the fight news in the fight game, Conor McGregor is talking about retiring. John Jones is relinquishing his belt. Jorge Masvidal is not fighting. What is going on with all the big names in the sport? We're going to go ahead and talk about that. We're talking about what happened at UFC 250. Is Amanda Nunes legitimately the GOAT? And I'm not just talking about for the women. Are we talking about Amanda Nunes? Um, we have Sugar Sean. Is Sugar Sean the best in the game? Is he one of the, the next big thing in MMA? And so much more on this episode of The Fight Podcast. Um, I hope you guys are doing great. I know it's been the last week and a half or so. I know it's been some of the wildest uh, times that I, I know even for myself, we, I can imagine. Yeah, we haven't been bringing out as much content over the last week. I think this past week was a great time that we could all sit back and focus and, and not just be spend time with family, but learn. And if you've been paying attention to our social media pages, that'll be our Instagram, our Facebook, Twitter. We've been putting out everything from book recommendations and um, trying to give people not only hope, but we want to give people as much information as possible. So I will continue posting and we'll continue putting just the information about the protests, um, different books and films that we can educate and so much more. I think it was a really big deal um, that we spent time in actually doing that and actually took a step back from combat sports. I know a lot of different fight shows and, um, and different personalities felt as if this was time to dig in. Like, yo, we have to go ahead and focus specifically on, you know, oh, this isn't, this is a fight show. This isn't, we're not talking about politics, but we are, but we are. Um, anyone who says that I think isn't being aware, isn't being realistic. This is something that has affected all of us. Um, and I think it's time that these issues are on the forefront. It's amazing that I've re I'm reading books. I'm reading The Fire Next Time um, by James Baldwin. And this book was written over 50 years ago. And the, the things that he was talking about then are still happening today. What he was talking about 50 years ago, 50, 60 plus years ago, are still happening. Everything from what's going on with police brutality to, you know, just the way that the powers that be in this government, in this country, just tend to poo-poo on the poor and disenfranchised. Um, it, it's a terrible thing. And at the end of the day, I think it's time that we take a step back from actual fighting and, and bring awareness to what is actually important and what's actually going on in this country. Um, a lot of us who have followed the Fight Podcast since we've been doing this understand and know the reason that I started this show was because of, there was a lack of representation um, for black and brown individuals in the combat sports media realm. That's MMA and boxing media. Um, I didn't believe that our stories were being told. I, I felt as if the individuals in the sport who are black and brown at the end of the day are vilified. We're vilified, we're, we're called lazy. And if you think I'm wrong, let's talk about Tyron Woodley. 
Tyron Woodley, yes, he just lost not too long ago. But he's also 38 years old. And he's also, if we really sit back and think about it, yo, Buddy is arguably the second greatest welterweight of all time. Think about how great the welterweights are. And during his reign, one of the greatest reigns we've ever seen in that weight class. Only person who had a better reign than him in that weight class was Georges St-Pierre the GOAT. So we have this. We have an individual like this that never got the press that he deserved. As great as he was, he was great on the mic. He works with TMZ. He raps. All these things, but there's never any awareness. Nothing was brought to him. The only thing that the organization did was kind of shit on him. And the fans and everybody in the media did the exact same thing. Um, people continue doing that to black and brown fighters. And at the end of the day, look, I am a fight fan. But I'm also a black man in America. I'm black and Puerto Rican. And what I want to make sure I'm doing is bringing awareness to people that look like me. I want people to understand that this sport is cool, man. There is no other sport in the world that is better than MMA and boxing. Combat sports, in my opinion, are the best. But there's not enough people that are representing us. There are not enough stories being told. And here's the thing. In a sport that, we, that black and brown bodies essentially dominate. So... I want to make sure I'm doing that. And again, when things like this are happening, this is an issue not just for anyone. This is an issue for all of us. What's happening in the world right now is, is something that affects every single last one of you. So take those into account, man. Have empathy for people. Listen to people. Educate yourselves. It's important. I'm telling you it's important. Uh, here on the Fight Podcast, we will always, again, I know you guys have been paying attention to the Scrappy Hour. Remember, the Scrappy Hour each and every week on IGTV, or should I say IG Stories live on the Fight Podcast page. That's going to be on IG Stories. That is every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 7, 8 p.m. Eastern, man. So check us out there. That's the Fight Podcast uh, talk show. We go on there. We have great conversations with people. We bring fighters on. We bring legends on. We give you guys a weekly prospect alert. We give you guys a weekly legends recap. We do all those things on that show, but we also bring people in who have amazing conversations. So we're going to keep bringing people who on who have great conversations um, that represent and stand for something. So we'll keep that party going also. So make sure you check out the Scrappy Hour. Check that out on the Fight Podcast page. If you haven't, um, each and every episode is actually logged on IGTV. So even if you've missed it, you can go and check us out there, man. All right. Enough of that. Um, again, I, this is important. I want us to be able to discuss these type of things. Um, I want to make sure that I'm bringing the shit to you. But at the same time, this is a fight show. And uh, there is so much fight shit to talk about, man. It is back. Um, we are in full swing. Um, we've had amazing cards time and time again. I'm going to be honest with you. UFC 250 um, wasn't the biggest pay-per-view in terms of names and box office, you know, people watching. But in terms of what was actually happening in the cage, yo, there were some amazing matchups and amazing fights that happened this weekend. So what we're going to do today, I already told you guys and I've ran through the menu, but what I'm going to do today is this. We're going to go ahead and recap UFC 250. We're going to go ahead and jump in on... Um, 
We're going to go ahead and jump in on all the fight news of the week. We have to talk about what's going on with fighter pay. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't even bring it up. The biggest names in the sport are actually talking about this. So my question to you, my question to anyone listening, my question to the fighters, is it time for a union? We will definitely discuss that today as well. Um, And so much more. We talk about this upcoming weekend's card as well. Uh, It's not the, I'm not going to stunt, man. UFC has come out with some bangers recently, but this one is not one of them. (laughs) But we're still going to go ahead and talk about it because they do have a great main event in that one. And we're going to talk about that and so much more. All right, let's go ahead and jump on into it. UFC 250 was the first, again, pay-per-view event held at the UFC PI in Las Vegas, Nevada. The infrastructure and everything is set up, man. They can do all these events there. It doesn't have to have the crowd. It's awesome. They got all their cameras. Everything is an in-house thing. It looks great. Uh, the production value is amazing. They have it all set up, man. The interview section. One of the coolest things, if you guys haven't had an opportunity to check out the Dana White Tuesday that Contender Series, which they actually do all the fights in the same thing, two big things stand out. Um, one cool thing that I'll say is that in the interviews, it's not in the octagon, especially with everything that's been going on with COVID. Doesn't make sense. Fuck it. Let's not do that. They have a section that goes on the outside Outside, the fighters go to that section. They get interviewed by either DC, fucking Joe Rogan, whoever the hell is one doing it, which is super dope. I love the fact that they're doing that. Um, it gives the guys the time to shine. And like I talked about before, it's really dope to be able to actually witness what's going on without the audience. The fact that there is no crowd influencing emotions after a fight, you have fighters have essentially being super eloquent afterwards, really breaking down how they feel, taking a deep breath, assessing the moment, and giving you a legitimate answer. We've had some of the best answers in this time of COVID, in this time, um, honestly, all of 2020, essentially, with all the fights, we've had amazing answers. So, dude, is it better without fans? I don't know. It legitimately might be. It legitimately might be better without the fans, man, um, in terms of the communication aspect of it, which is super dope. Um, Another thing that I'll say that stands out also is the size of the cage. These are smaller cages. So one thing you're noticing with cages that are that much smaller are you're getting a lot of knockouts. There's nowhere to run. It doesn't matter where you are. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to fucking hide. So people are coming downhill and getting after it. Now, I've heard other people say, oh, for the bigger guys or individuals who like to move, it's not the best. They wouldn't like it. I'm going to be honest with you guys. For myself, when I competed, I was one of those guys that moved a lot. I I would love a big cage. Give me a lot of space so I can go ahead and give you an opportunity. Somebody like Israel the last time under Adesanya, the champion at a buck 85 right now. A great kickboxer like him. Somebody like him who wants to utilize his range and his distance. Would something a small cage like that affect him as opposed to somebody who wants to get in your face and take you down? Um, We're noticing this. It's, It's forcing people to engage. So... I'm interested in watching these fights and we're noticing a lot more finishes because of it. Now, are some of these fights actually getting to uh, to the end of the game? They are they're getting all the way down 
And are we getting, you know, decisions? Yeah, absolutely, we're getting decisions. Shit, the main event was a decision. But we're also seeing a lot of really entertaining fights, man. We're seeing a lot of entertaining fights. And honestly, let's go ahead and talk about the main event. The main event was the champion, the GOAT, Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes went out there and fought the former Invicta champion, Felicia Spencer. Look, a lot of people were patting themselves on the back saying, oh man, this is, if you got money on this fight, put that shit on Felicia. Felicia is really good. She's a good dark horse of the division, blah, blah, blah. I said it here. I said it to friends. I said, every, I, I'm just not sold on Felicia Spencer, especially against somebody like Amanda Nunes. Felicia Spencer is extremely talented. I'm going to say that one more time, man, because I don't want anybody to, to mix any words. Yo, Felicia Spencer is super talented. She's great on the ground. She has size. She, she can withstand more punishment than I think any female in all of MMA. She's incredible. But fam, there's levels to this shit. There's levels. And when you think about there's levels to this game... Amanda Nunes is at the top of the, at the top, at the tippy top. Felicia Spencer is like somewhere halfway. She's dope. She's super dope. Push you somewhere halfway. This fight from the opening bell to the final bell was a masterclass of greatness. I'm going to show you, I can beat you at every component of the fight. I can beat you standing because I'm the best at this. So I'm going to jab your face off. I'm going to hit you with this overhand right. I'm going to utilize my movement and my footwork so you can't even give you. You can't even give me your best game plan. What does Felicia Spencer want to do? She wants to utilize her size. She wants to utilize her strength. She wants to be able to out grapple because that's where her bread and butter is. Felicia Spencer wanted to get a hold of her, take her down and hold her there. Grind out a win. If there has been any knock on Amanda Nunes in the past, we can honestly say maybe it's been her gas tank. When she took a loss way back when to Katzengano, we saw the power there. She had the power. But technically and in, in conditioning-wise, she gassed. She gassed the fuck out and she ended up getting stopped by somebody whom if they fought today, she blasts out of there in the first round. No, no doubt in my mind. No, no doubt in my mind. She would knock her completely out in the first round. No, no doubts. Um, and Kat Zingano's a beast. I don't want to take anything away from her. So you had a, a, a moment where a fighter went out there and just completely outclassed and took away every aspect of the game. Even to the point that she just started taking down Felicia Spencer at will. Just take her down, throw her to the side, stood back up, let her stand up, take her down again, bong, bong, bing, bong, nothing, I don't need it, take it. Back and forth, yo. <laughs> it was crazy. She just went out there and just completely showed everyone why she's the greatest of all time. Which brings me to my, my, my point, my next question is when you think about it, yo, at the end of the day, who in the fuck is she going to fight next? Who is she going to fight? There's so many names. I mean, there's not a lot of names out there. Um, I have one in mind. 
um, people think that the young lady who's actually, and I'll talk about a little bit on Fight News, um, Aldana, she's going to fight actually Holly Holm. That's coming up on August 1st. I'll talk about that again um, a little bit when we talk about a little bit more Fight News. Uh, but that's the one everyone's like, oh, she's so skilled what she is. Um, is Aldana, she, can she give it, you know, give her, that's the matchup we want. But realistically, Idana has has to get through Holly Holm and probably one more before she has an opportunity to fight at 135 pounds. Remember, guys, this past fight wasn't at 135. Amanda Nunes is a champ champ. She fights at 135, but this past fight this past weekend against Felicia Spencer at UFC 250 was at 145. So we're looking at people who she can possibly fight. At. Who can she fight at 145? Dude, Megan Anderson, yes. But Felicia Spencer beat Megan Anderson. Submitted her to the first round. Got her the fuck out of here. So what makes me think that Megan Anderson has anything for Amanda Nunes? She doesn't. It is what it is. She doesn't. How about at 135? Aidana, maybe we'll see. But Amanda Nunez already said, she's like, look, at the end of the day, I want to make sure, I want to see some people get some wins. I got to take some time. Um, her her wife, Nina Ansaroff, is pregnant, about to give birth to their, their baby. Yo, <laughs> hold on. Nina Ansaroff <laughs> and Amanda Nunez are having a baby. That is going to be the toughest little baby in the history of babies. That baby will be able to walk up to anybody in the school. If anybody picks on that baby and literally can say, look, man, my mom could whoop your dad's ass. Let me rephrase that. My mom's could whoop your dad's ass. <laughs> That's the type of kid they're going to end up having, man. But I digress. Um... She says she's going to take some time off. She's going to relax and she's going to end up, um, you know, spending time with her with her family, which she has 1000 percent deserved. The only person that I think that we need to see Amanda Nunes fight and it will be for the GOAT status. No, it is not Chris Cyborg. It is Valentina Shevchenko. Valentina Shevchenko. Um, yes, they've already fought. Yeah, Serge. Oh, Serge, look at... She's fought Amanda twice, and she lost to Amanda twice. Oh, I challenge you, and I challenge anybody to say that. Go back and watch that fight. Can you honestly go back, watch that fight, and tell me that that is a clear-cut victory for Amanda Nunes? I'll be honest with you. I've seen that fight multiple times, and to this day, to this day... I still think Valentina won the fight. I think Valentina is arguably the greatest female fighter fighting today. Now, is that fight going to happen? Probably not. It seems as if the UFC, instead of having that fight happen again, what they want to end up doing is having Wei Li Zhang, who fights at 115, possibly having that as a super fight in the future. They're trying to open that up, and they're not going to go ahead and actually have that fight happen unless... Valentina starts really calling for that fight. That seems like that's the only way that that fight would end up happening. Um, and that's from Dana White. So I don't know. That's the only fight that I think truly makes sense at this point in time. And I think those two women are head and shoulders above everybody else. Right up under them, you have to say it's Weili Zhang and um, Weili Zhang, Tatiana Suarez, and uh, obviously Yoana and Jacek. It's the three of them. It's a toss-up between the three of them. Any three, The three of them, any one of those three ladies can win the championship at 115 pounds at any, at any point in time. 
So we'll see what ends up happening with them in the near future. Okay, moving right along because we've talked about the GOAT. Amanda Nunes is long enough, man. Let's go ahead and talk about the Coleman event. We had the return. Oh, man. The former champion at 135 pounds, Cody Garbrandt, goes out there and brutally at 4 minutes and 59 seconds of the second round, brutally knocks out Rafael Asensio. I've said it time and time again. Rafael Asensio is the litmus test at that weight class, at 135. Kind of like a Derek Brunson, one of those guys that kind of float between 5 and ranked 5 and 8 between then. If you can beat this guy, you deserve a title shot. You can be right there. He's that type of guy to me at 135 pounds. Yo, and before I really get into that, because this this card ended up working out like it was a, a, a 135-pound a Bantamweight tournament in, in, in regards, right? It was a showcase for Bantamweights uh, this past weekend, even more so than the champion Amanda Nunes. Even more than that, you have the Bantamweights going out there and fucking showing out. So Cody Garbrandt, the former champion, goes out there and... I, you have to go see it. If you haven't seen it already, I need, I, I'm, I'm begging you, please. Go on IG right now, Twitter, anywhere, YouTube. Fuck, I'll post it on the Fight Podcast page and on our stories uh, later on today. One of, if not the greatest one-punch KOs that you'll ever see in life. I am telling you, Cody Garbrandt goes out there, someone who's on a three-fight losing streak, someone who has not only been on a three-fight losing streak, someone who has been knocked out three times in a row. And we had a lot of question marks leading up to this for Cody Garbrandt. And the questions are this, man, yo, with Team Alpha Male being the fact that he's been knocked out, has he gotten everything that he can out of Team Alpha Male? Was it time to leave? And he ended up going up to New Jersey and training with Mark Henry, one of the greatest coaches out there. Uh, ends up training, you know, Frankie Edgar, amongst so many others. He's even talking about working with, in terms of um, the coach over there, he's talking about working with um, Daniel Cormier as well. So I'll talk about that a little bit in Fight News. But Cody Garbrandt goes out there. He's already he's working with Mark Henry. And one thing that Mark Henry really does and really focuses on is... First of all, he's one of the, the geniuses. He's, he's one of the Yoda characters in, uh, in MMA. He's one of those guys like a Farah Sahabi. He's like a guy like a, um, a Matt Hume. They're one of those guys. One of the guys that is just like one of the geniuses of combat sports. One of the geniuses of MMA. He's, been, he, he, he's able to put together a number system for his fighters striking and footwork that he's literally out there calling out different numbers and plays. And the way that people actually describe it, it seems as if that Mark Henry is actually ends up playing a video game because everything that he calls for, his fighters do. Yo, how fucking dope is that? How dope is that, that you have a coach that is so in tuned that is so fucking in tuned with his athletes. That it's like, just like the guys, one of the coaches in the NFL, they sit there and they're literally button pushing. Left kick high, right hook to the body. Bang, bang! And they do it. One of the coolest fucking things ever, man. And Mark Henry, again, one of the Jedi minds in all of combat sports, is one of the guys who was able to do that. So Cody going over there is one thing. 
But a lot of us look at it and say, fuck, well, is it one of those things that he's like left team alpha male? Fuck it, I'm out. Hey, all right, take that shit. Nah, it, it ended up not being that. It actually seems as if, you know, Team Alpha Male's right there with them. They they encouraged it. They loved it. Wish they did that with TJ back in the day. I mean, come on. But those are the type of things that we really would have loved to see. And I'm loving to see that. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. The Ronin mentality is the best way for all combat sports athletes. MMA and boxing fam. Go, you can keep your coaches, but go get looks some other places. Get a different set of eyes. Get a different get a different perspective because that is how you end up growing in the sport that's how you grow as an athlete you get different you can't keep hearing the same shit over and over and over again come on fam that's madness so the fact that Cody Garbrandt was able to go over there and be able to go to Mark Henry work with Mark Henry in New Jersey and Mark Henry is somebody who is a, a genius in terms of letting making sure fighters don't get outside of themselves again He's Geppetto in that bitch. He's getting it in. And the fact that he's getting his Geppetto on and he and your Pinocchio beating somebody's ass, it's amazing. So he's able to do that. He was able to really, because that's been the only knock on Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt tends to get beat because he gets overly emotional. So he was able to go to Mark Henry, Mark Henry stopped that. He goes out there, puts on the performance of his life. Looked like the Cody Garbrandt that beat Dominic Cruz in his prime. This Cody Garbrandt looks like he can be the champion again at 135. But that brings me to my next point. The next fight right up under there, Al Jermaine Sterling versus Corey Sandhagen. This fight, also at Bantamweight, this fight was supposed to be, this is the next guy. This was a number one contender's fight, and I, dude, I was hyped. Not only was I hyped because, fam, I'm a huge Al Jermaine Sterling fan, friend of the show. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. But Corey Sandhagen, the Sandman out of Denver, dude, this guy is an animal. The dark horse of the division, hands down. Let, let's talk about 135 for a second. Holy shit. We always talk about 155. We are recently talking about 170 as the deepest divisions in all of MMA. 135 in the UFC, we need to have the discussion. Let's just go down a list of names. Henry Cejudo, who we know is going to be back. He's bullshitting. Captain Cringe is out there. He's still there. TJ Dillashaw will be back. The greatest bantamweight of all time. Now we have Al Jermaine Sterling, Corey Sandhagen, Jose Aldo's there now, Peter Yan, Dominic's still here. Dude, this debate, Cody Garbrandt, Javier Lasensau, this weight class is stacked. 10 guys. What other weight class? Sean O'Malley. Down the list, I can give you 10 names of guys who can legitimately win this weight class, be the champion at any given time. So this fight between Aljamain Sterling and Corey Sandhagen was supposed to be, this was, a, this was that moment. We see these moments from time to time where they're like, yo, who is that guy? We, have two, we saw it with John Jones and Ryan Bader, remember that shit? Way back in the day, we were supposed to see who was next. Going into a championship fight, 
who is going to be the number one contender? Is it Ryan Bader or is it John Jones? We see how that worked out. Now don't get it twisted. Fucking Ryan Bader's a monster. <laughs> Ryan Bader's a legend, but he's not John Jones. So that was a, another one of these times where we had one of those dynamics. Two guys, one's definitely going up, one might end up being that guy, and the other one might just not be his time yet. And that's what we had. Um, a lot of people were picking Corey Sanhagen on this fight. Um, we had, honestly, the number one versus the number three guy in the division. Tough guys. Um, everyone was picking Corey Sanhagen. All the professionals, all the media guys were picking Corey Sanhagen. Um, but Aljamain Sterling goes out there, implements a beautiful game plan. He literally went out there and put all the pressure on Corey Sanhagen right from the beginning. Kept his movement up and down. Ended up getting the takedown. And then used Corey's game plan against him. Ended up getting his back. My man was out there with his straight Damian Maya backpack. Locked it in. Got the rear naked choke. Ended up getting the finish with a minute and 28 seconds left in the very first round. Makes a huge fucking statement. 1,000%. Aljamain Sterling is getting a title shot next at 135 pounds. He will end up fighting the winner of the championship fight between which is coming up July 11th on Fight Island Jose Aldo Jr. arguably the greatest 145 pounder in the world arguably ever should I say not in the world anymore we all know who that is Um, but he is going to fight he's dropped down a weight class and he's going to end up fighting Peter Yan. This is going to be a great matchup. And the winner of the Peter Yan Jose Aldo fight ends up fighting Aljamain Sterling. And I'm going to tell you guys this first. Aljamain Sterling, before this year is over, will end up being the champion at 135 pounds for the UFC. All right. Um, also on this card, let's go ahead and talk about Neil Magny, um, Rocco Martin. It was an entertaining fight. Neil Magny ended up getting the nod. Um, it could have gone either way. Nobody really got robbed there, but a great fight. Uh, Neil Magny's on a little bit of a tear, man. Two big wins in a row since he came back from his uh, suspension. Um, good to see him back on the winning track. Um, and this was the fight of the night. This is the winner of the weekend, the one that I really wanted to talk about. Um, we have to talk about Sean O'Malley. Sugar Sean. Sugar Sean is one of the guys that I've talked about as arguably the biggest prospect, the best prospect in all of MMA. He made his name when he came from the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, knocked the dude out in the first round, jumps up on the cage and says, welcome to the Sugar Show. Dude's cool, cool hair, smokes bud. He, he, he seems like the guy, he has everything. He ended up getting suspended for with you from USADA for two years. Um, they ended up saying he was suspended, but they also said that he was he took a supplement that was tainted and it wasn't his fault. And yet they still suspended the kid for two years. Now, in the long run, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I think that might have worked out for the best for him. Truly. I think it might have worked out for the best. And the reason I say that is this. The reason I think it might have worked out for the best for the kid is truly because he had two years to just focus and grow on his game. They haven't thrown him to the wolves. They didn't do what they did to Chase Cooper. Chase Cooper went out there. It was the opening fight of the night. He fought against somebody who is a much more seasoned fighter than him. 
They would have done that to Sugar Sean. They would have rushed him to the front of the line. But, but luckily for him, he had to take those two years off. He refined his game. He puts some muscle on and goes out there, fights a former champion in Eddie Wyland. Eddie Wyland is a bad motherfucker, man. He is not a slouch, okay? Former champion, former uh, for the WEC. He's a, he's a former title challenger against Jose Aldo. I mean, this dude is tough. He's as tough as they get. So this is a fight that I thoroughly expected Sugar Sean to win. But I didn't expect to see what I saw. He goes out there with a minute and 54 seconds left. And look, man, he got cracked at one point in time by, by Eddie Wilde. Didn't matter. Goes out there, walks down Eddie Wilde, and lands one shot. Bam! Night, night. Literally ended the fight one hit shot, man. Um, this kid has some of the best striking that I've ever seen. Some of the best movement that I've ever seen. He, he has that it factor. He's that guy. He has that same thing that you feel and that we felt when we saw Conor McGregor back in the day. He has it. He has the walk. He has the talk. And he got the fuck. He has the skills, man. This kid is the real deal. He is the best prospect in all of MMA. I am telling you, if you do not know who Sugar Sean is, Sugar Sean O'Malley, you need to check him out now. And I'm going to be honest with you. He is going to be a champion. And I'm going to tell you right now, before we know it, he is going to be in that same mix, in the same conversation with other individuals in that Bantamweight division. It's going to be hard to keep that kid from a championship, I'm telling you, man. All right, man. That was my recap for UFC 250. Great fight card all in all, man. Um, again, on paper, we didn't know what it was going to be. But in terms of what showed up, amazing. Great fight card. I love what I saw. Um, this weekend's card, again, on paper isn't great. But what the fuck? What do we expect, man? They've been, they've been giving us heat, you know, back and forth. Um, all right. What we're going to go ahead and do is this. We're going to take a quick two-second break. And uh, we are going to go ahead. And, yo, I got to let you guys know. We finally got some sponsors coming for you guys, so keep your eyes and ears open. Check out our, our uh, IG page, check out our Twitter, check out our Facebook. We're going to start letting you guys know about some great things um, that we have in the works, some great companies that we're partnering with. So that's coming out this week, so keep your eyes and ears open for that. Also, do not forget to watch every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern. It is our um, our talk show, The Scrappy Hour. It is right Right on uh, our the Fight Podcast Instagram page. It is right on our IG stories. Check that out. You can check if you have Instagram. Check us out there. Also, check, tell people about Hot Mike. You're listening to us right now on Hot Mike Live. But if you do not, if you're not listening to it live, if you know somebody else, tell your friends. Tell everybody about Hot Mike. Um, it is totally free. We broadcast live here. You can be the first to get all of our exclusive interviews. You can also get our broadcast one where I'm actually breaking down live fights as well. Check out Hot Mike, download them, and also use promo code The Fight and tell all your friends. All right. So we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we have fight news, and we're gonna give you my fight picks for you. UFC Fight Night this weekend. 
All right, we're back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, fight news. There is a lot going on, man, in the world of it. Oh, real quick, man, I have to shout out to Chicago for those who are seeing the shirt that I'm wearing. I'm wearing some uh, Hebrew Brantley, you know, drop. Um, love, love his artwork, man. Love all the Chicago artists. We have some super dope uh, Black and Latino artists out there in Chicago. Um, we've also had, as you guys know, in terms of like videography and photography, uh, friend of the show. He's had an amazing episode, Bradley. Murray um, from that same you know group of guys coming up man again Hebrew Brantley um, JC Rivera so many more man amazing artists uh, that come out of Chicago uh, but I digress man let's go ahead and talk about this week in fights man and you know what I'm gonna be honest with you it has been crazy fighters have started really going out and voicing their displeasure with the UFC and um, and it's a really interesting thing to see because the UFC is historically known that they have not treated fighters the best way possible, okay? That's the best way I could put it. They, they haven't, you know, paid people what they're worth. And a lot of times we don't see or hear the bigger names in the organization say shit about it because at the end of the day, yo, man, you're the biggest names in the organization. You're getting taken care of. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're greasing the palms the right way. So the fact that that's actually happening, it's interesting, right? Um, it's interesting the fact that we, we're, at, we're now getting the big names voicing their displeasure. And we're seeing names like... John Jones, Jorge Masvidal. Shit, we just had a champion in Henry Cejudo, a champ champ, go out there and actually recently retire also essentially because of contract negotiations. So we have Conor McGregor who just says he retires. John Jones who just went out and relinquished his belt. Jorge Masvidal who was refusing to fight for a championship. And Henry Sudos went out there and, and, re- and also retired. Four of the biggest names, no, 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 fuck that. The four biggest names in the sport are having grievances with the organization. Why is that? And is all, are all things correlated? Or are they all the same? And I'm here to tell you this straight up, yo, it's not. They're not all the same. Does, is it all to do with money? Yes. But is every single thing the same? No. And I'm gonna go ahead and break down each fighter's grievance. And not only am I going to break, break down their grievance, I'm going to pretty much tell you guys, shit, what, what, I, what I think, you know, give you my two cents. If you're listening to me now, I'll give you my two cents. Why not? Uh, so let's start off with the biggest name. Um, as much as it pains me to say, I'm going to say it. It is Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor goes out there uh, Sunday night, which essentially, should I say, it shows his Saturday night, Sunday morning. He goes out and goes on a tweet, a tweeting spree. And, and he, he puts it out there he, that he retires. He, he says he retires. I'm done with the sport. Um, I'm bored. UFC is trying to give, you know, trying to go out there and essentially dictate too much power. I don't like that shit. I'm out. Two fingers, deuces, peace out. I retire. Um, when I first heard this, I laughed. <laughs> I laughed. Yo, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I laughed. And I laughed because this isn't the first time that Connor's done that. This is the third, actually. He's retired three times. He's going out there and retired because he, he either hasn't gotten as much money as he wanted or he's not getting his way. One time when the organization said, no, you may not have a piece of the company, he threw a tantrum and he said he couldn't, he didn't, fuck it, I'm not doing it. Why is he retiring this time? Well, 
initially he says what he wants is that he wanted to, so he, it's not a money thing for him. He says it's a lack of control. And not only is it a lack of control, it's the fact that the organization didn't give him a title shot against Justin Gaethje. He wants an interim shot against Justin Gaethje. If he does not get that, he wants to fight against the legend Anderson Silva. That is two weight classes heavier than any weight class he's ever fought at. So those are his demands. And the UFC to this point in time has not given them that. They said they won't. They said, no, Justin Gaethje just fought and he fought for an interim title to fight the champion, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Who is back, he's ready for action, he's in. So we're not doing that. We're not. Anderson Silva, fight doesn't make sense. No, we're not doing that. Sorry, Connor, no, you gotta wait. You gotta wait, you can wait for the winner. Um, Dana White also came out and said this. Dana White said, hey, if you wanna retire, yo, do your thing. Do your thug, go ahead. If, you, if you're already thinking that, if you're feeling that way, you know, I've always tell you to go ahead and retire, don't stay in the sport. That's what Dana said. To his cash cow, to the biggest name in the sport, he said, retire, do it. That's just crazy that he could go out there and just literally punk the biggest name in the sport. Dana White's a gangster for that shit. He said, do it. Go ahead and retire. If you don't want to play fight no more, don't fight. And um, and Connor is upset for, from that. Um, now, where can I give Connor some some leeway, right? Connor wants to be active. He says he's bored. I can understand that. As a business, Connor is your biggest athlete. He's your biggest asset. If he wants to fight Anderson Silva, man, just let him fucking fight Anderson Silva. I think it doesn't make sense. But if that's what he wants, that's what he give it to him. It keeps him happy. And then if he gets a big name on his record, if he loses, who gives a shit? And then he goes out there and ends up fighting against um, Khabib or Justin Gaethje in December. That could happen. That, 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 give him that. So I understand what he's saying that in terms of control. Um, I don't understand why the UFC is not giving it to him, especially if he's legitimately going to walk away this time. I, but me personally, I think they're doing this because they're essentially calling his bluff, and I don't see it happening. Um, let's go ahead to John Jones. John Jones is not mad about the money because essentially it came out that John Jones is making five million five to six million dollars per fight okay five to six million per fight seems pretty pretty good let me rephrase that that just seems amazing he's getting that much per fight but he says he wants you know he wants to be incentivized to go actually out and actually get paid to fight against um francis and ganu at heavyweight so that's the thing he wants to sit there and get paid so it's not about a money he says look i'll stay down here and fight at at, at 205 and keep beating these bums you guys give me here but if you want me to go ahead and actually move up a weight class i need to be incentivized and i need to get paid at least double what i'm getting paid now again i go back to the ufc and i say this because i was somebody who's always said this and i understand the ufc because me personally if that's all he wants pay the man pay the man and let us as fans see this big fight. We have the money. 
We know it's the money. Jorge Masvidal put the numbers out there. We'll talk about that in a second. But Jorge put the numbers out there, so we know that, the, the, that it's there. So why don't just pay the man? Well, think about it like this. They're not paying him because if he beats their cash cow, who is Francis Ngannou, who is going to be the biggest name, they're, they, they're propping up already to be the big, scary Mike Tyson, you know, global icon guy, Francis Ngannou. And they realistically understand that, yo, John Jones probably beat his ass too. And then our big money dude is gone and John's probably gonna retire in the next couple years. Where's the fun in that? So those are the dilemmas that the organization goes into. So that's probably why they're not, they're not giving them money there either. All right, now let's talk about Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal, now he's not asking about, the way he's asking not personally for more money, over his contracted amount, what he's asking for is a higher revenue share, okay? He wants a higher revenue share for all fighters. So Jorge is saying, how in the fuck are you guys gonna sit here and actually pay me 50% less to fight the champion as I did to fight Nate Diaz for a fake title. He's like, how y'all gonna do that shit? He's like, I'm not gonna do it. And then he started talking about numbers and bringing it out. Because the UFC in their rebuttal to Jorge Masvidal was, y'all, man, yo, it's a pandemic. We can't pay you guys more because, fam, it's a pandemic. You understand, right? You get it, you get me, you feel me. Jorge said, no, nah, I don't feel you because there's an article with all of this information out there. In fact, here, I, I actually have it written down for people who want to see it. John Nash, and I'll actually do a separate video for this specifically, um, and I'll actually have it on our IGTV page um, later on this week. But John Nash, he has um, a, an article, you check him out, it's on Fighter Pay. It's an amazing article, it's on Fighter Pay. He talks about how the top stars are underpaid in terms of what they generate. It also goes out there and actually talks about how these fighters specifically okay it talks about how all the other sports in terms of revenue shares they bring in the other sports mlb nfl um, nba it's 50 percent split 50 50 50 percent to the athletes 50 percent to the owners in the ufc the athletes only make 18 percent okay I'm gonna say that again. The athletes only get 18%. They paid their parent company Endeavor however many billion, $4.2 billion for the company. Endeavor bought the UFC for $4.2 billion. So they're having to pay this out. So what they're doing, and the crazy thing about it is this. Dana White still told the fighters, he told Jorge Masvidal specifically, look man, we don't have money you know, to pay you guys extra because of the pandemic. Jorge Masvidal rebuttals and says, check this shit out. You, our pay has never been in line with the gate or anything sold there. That's separate. The gate 
and anything that's sold there has nothing to do with fighters and fighter pay. So the fighters are essentially saying, yo, what the fuck? Like, you guys have the money, why aren't you giving us more money? So this is the interesting thing. So, and again, Henry Cejudo, another one, he ended up retiring essentially because he says, you guys, I'm not fighting anymore. I'm not putting my body and my mind at risk if you guys aren't incentivizing me more to fight, okay? And, I, and I'm gonna I'm 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 tie all this shit up in a bow for you guys right now. This, this is the crazy thing. How do we fix this? The only way this fixes is in three separate occasions, okay? Either there's some sort of federal legislation where as fighters, they gotta get together to start lobbying, start paying some people, go to Capitol Hill and make some sort of legislation. That's the first thing. The second thing they can do, they can go out there and they can sue the company. They can sue the company that could eventually end up leading to a fighter's union. That's the next thing they can do, okay? But that, that can be drawn out. The UFC has the best lawyers in the world. Who knows how that happens, right? The third thing they can do is just, you know, essentially unionize without the, without the lawsuit, unionize, and then end up going out there and putting their grievances up to the company. Um, and then I think the, the more effective way to actually do that is this. I think that now we're starting to see that the, the, bigger, the bigger name fighters in the sport are starting to speak up. John Jones put his money out there. Jorge Masvidal put it out there. I think all these fighters need to start going ahead and putting their numbers out there. This is how much the organization pays me. Because the organization doesn't show us this shit. They give us whatever their base pay is. They're not telling us the, 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 the oogie boogie numbers for real. So let the fighters legitimately say, I get paid this much. I get paid. All the guys at the top start saying that. If you have the guys at the top start saying that, what ends up happening, the guys at the bottom have more places essentially to negotiate. And said, look, if he makes this much, I can, this is my scale. This is my worth. The UFC controls everything. The UFC controls, you know, what these individuals know. They control every aspect of the game. And that's why it's been so hard pressed to this point in time. I'm just being honest with you guys. That's the biggest issue right now. All right. That's why we haven't unionized. That's why a lot of this stuff has not happened to this point in time. Do I feel like something's coming of it? I do. I really do. I do feel as if something's coming. I do feel as if we might soon be getting some sort of unionizations or at least the talks of it. Um, but will it happen this year? I don't know. I'm always on the side of the fighters. I'm always inside of fighter pay. Um, but we will see. And as you guys always know, I will keep you guys posted on the Fight Podcast. All right. Um, moving right along. Let's go ahead and finish up today's show. And again, thank you guys as always for listening to the Fight Podcast and joining me here live on Hot Mic or uh, whether it be our YouTube channel um, or listening to us everywhere podcasts are. You can listen to either where you, wherever you, you're digesting us, man. I appreciate you guys. Um, but this weekend, we have another great card for you guys. When I say great, I'm going to throw air quotes up because it's not a great card, but it's, it's, it's fights and that's what we're here for. We got to tell you guys about it. Um, but we have Jessica I versus Cynthia Cavallo. That fight itself is a very interesting fight. It's a very entertaining fight. Um, two women who are at the very top of 125. 
Um, Cynthia Cavallo has moved up from 115. She's really struggled with making weight. The fact that she's moving there, this is her natural weight class. And let's be honest, she's beaten four of the top five women in that weight class. If she beats Jessica, she'll probably end up getting the um, the nod uh, for the next um, title shot. That should be an interesting fight. She's ranked number 10. Jessica is ranked number one. I know this shit sounds crazy. Cynthia Cavallo is gonna win this fight. The number 10 is gonna be the number one ranked individual and she'll probably end up getting a title shot uh, if not later on this year, uh, early next year. Um, co-main event, we have Carl Robinson versus Marvin Vittori. Again, another fight that a lot of us would think was a, a, a main or like a co-main event fight, but I'm glad it's on here. Um, this fight was supposed to happen a couple weeks ago. Carl Robinson, I think something happened health-wise, but he's clear to fight. He's back. This fight's going to happen. It should be a very interesting fight. Two very big, powerful guys. Um, big middleweights, explosive. You know I got to rock with the brother Carl Robinson. Man. I think he's going to go out there and do work, especially Especially because Martin Vittori was talking real slick um, after their last fight. Um, we also have uh, Andre Feely on this fight card. I think it's going to be great. I have him winning this one. We have uh, Ray Borg um, also fighting Davilev. This is, should be a great fight, actually. Um, Davilev 10-4, 13-5. Let's see with the... Uh, yeah, this will probably go Ray Borg with that one, man. But all in all, bro, uh, great fight card this weekend. I'm really looking forward to watching that one tonight. This is um, Tuesday. We have boxing. We're back. There's some great boxing back. Top rank um, is bringing this weekend. We have Shakur Stevenson. Um, we're not going to be broadcasting that live here on Hot Mike, but what we are going to go ahead and do, we are going to give you guys a post-fight, and uh, we will have the Guru uh, Guru. Uh, B Cam coming on and joining me and breaking that down right there. Uh, but without further ado, man, this has been episode 218 of the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe. I'm the host, the Underground King, Serge Vicente. Thank you guys as always for listening to us, man. Remember, check us out at Hot Mike. If you like what you're seeing, tell your friends about it. We're right on Hot Mike promo. It is totally free to sign up. Um, promo code The Fight. Also. Also, do not forget to tell your friends about the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe. Find us everywhere podcasting is available. Check us out also on YouTube and at all social media platforms at The Fight Podcast. Follow me at Serge Vicente. With that being said, it's me, Serge Vicente. Love you guys. We'll talk to you next time right here on The Fight Podcast. Deuces.